You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Meg. And we are Okan, and we make music for a living. Yes, we do. <laughs> Elizabeth Rodriguez and Magdalie Sevigny are the Grammy and Juno Award-nominated leaders of Afro-Cuban ensemble Okan. Partners on stage and off, the Cuban-born musicians came together after immigrating to Canada and are now set to release their sophomore album, Espera. Here's my chat with Okan. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Uh, we are uh, Okan, an Afro-Cuban band led by two women uh, in us. Toronto. The two of us. <laughs> My name is Elizabeth Rodriguez and Magdalena Savigny. Uh, we are from Cuba. I come from Havana. Mags comes from Santiago de Cuba, which is the eastern side. And, two opposite uh, sides. And the big capitals Cuba. of uh, Cuba, the two big cities. And we immigrated to Canada seven years ago. All right, so let me start all the way back in Cuba. Then you're on both. You're on opposite sides of Cuba. You're born and raised. Uh-huh. Yes. So you both got started in music separately. I'm assuming yes. as young kids. Yeah. So tell me about that. Who started you into music? Who in your family put an instrument in your hands? Well, bought an instrument. <laughs> well, I started at seven years old, and uh, my mom was the one who took me to art school. It was pretty hard to find out because the auditions were pretty hidden back then and only a few bunch of people had the uh, information about the school and the access. Uh, The school was located in a rich neighborhood in my city. So only the white kids were allowed, I mean, they they hold the cards there. So I was the only black girl in my classroom back then. And if you say it's Cuba, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> and, yeah, so my mom was the one who took me there. And but my whole family, my grandparents and my brother, they all sacrificed a lot in order to get me an education and for me to achieve that. Uh, we both come from very uh, humble backgrounds. When I mean not humble, to not to say Not to say poor. poor. <laughs> um, and uh, our neighborhoods actually are, you know, when, uh, when, when people talk about bad neighborhoods and violence and stuff, like we come from those places. Yeah. Uh, and one of the ways of our families to save us and take us out of that in Cuba is through music. Like if you become a musician, eventually, this is a 20 year plan, 20 year plan. Um, if you become a musician or if you be- become an athlete, uh, eventually, you're going to be able to travel and uh, have a better life. So that's also why our families invested so much in our education. So in my case, I started at uh, three years old because I was always singing. And my mom re- literally just wanted to get rid of me singing. And she wanted me to sing for her. <laughs> yeah. um, and she put me in a choir. Annoyance. <laughs> yeah, it was very annoying. <laughs> and I was in a choir at three years old and already doing like solos and doing things. And then the teacher from the choir, because she knew about that system of getting into the music school, because it, it's very tricky. It's like, imagine that all of the kids in Toronto uh, have to apply, audition, audition yeah. to get into, there are only four music schools in the whole city. So depending on your neighborhood, you have only access to one of those. Uh, that is nearby uh, you. And um, they will resemble like a private education. Yes. And those are very good schools because, you know, musicians and uh, the kids of famous people would go to those schools too. So um, 
we made it. Only all, other people literally just buy their way into it. But you guys got in on talent. But yeah, because our families yeah. couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't pay anything. Well, uh, so it was really hard because it's a very, very hard education because it's free. And I do this quote because if you, you have to buy an instrument yourself, you have to do things uh, that are not free. And, uh, and yes, the education per se, it is. Um, but also we pay with our freedom. And that's a whole different conversation. We, we study at the very beginnings. She was in Santiago. I was in Havana. And then there is only one. One no, I think there are two universities. The, the other no, there's only yeah, one. only two. Uh, are those one in Camagüey? This one Camagüey, oh, okay. But not our main instrument. So the oh. the big university of arts, it's in Havana. So at 18, uh, Max had to move to Havana in order to continue uh, studies. And um, was this another audition situation to get in, or is it? Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> and that. even harder. Because then you're competing with the whole country. Right. For how many spots? Five. Actually, I competed for their instruments. And actually, it was three only spots for the whole country in my year as a percussionist. So I had to compete with the whole country for three spots. Wow. And basically, I had a all the cards to lose because I came from Santiago, which is immigration, which is another story. I had to immigrate from my city to Havana, which is the capital. And you don't have a preferential treatment, let's say. So people in the capital have the preferential uh, treatment in order to get to that college. Otherwise they sent you back to your province. And at that point, if you had gotten sent back, that would have been it for all those years. I mean, you could have been a local musician, obviously, but yeah, I would have been a musician, but it's really hard. And and the other thing is that you are already a musician before you get into that university, because you've been in the music school since you were seven till you're 18, the 18, you know, the university is just to specialize and people like me, for example, I, in my year, I didn't go right from, from, high school yeah, yeah high school to university because i was already working i already had a job and i was in the orchestra that i wanted to be i was like what's the point i'm going to university so i didn't need that yeah but the people from other provinces need to immigrate to havana literally to make a legally legally so because if she was just going to Havana, imagine that you want to live in quebec now you cannot go and live in quebec you will be illegal. Based on what? Based, Based on, on the law. Cuban, <laughs> the Cuban law. laws of the country. No one yeah. outside of Havana can live in Havana unless you have a job offer. Unless, Just like immigrants. Just like immigrants. <laughs> unless you have a, a, a yeah. student visa, like she had. Uh, it's not called a student yeah. visa or a job offer. It's just the way it is. And uh, unless you have a house. Or buy a house. And if you buy a house, that it was illegal at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. that doesn't sound thing. easy. It's so it's, complicated. A, it's really complicated. It's so very complicated. You have to swim not only the music and arts uh, waters, but you also have to uh, get involved in the socio-political uh, circumstances that surround you. 
in order to make a living. So it's it's pretty hard. All of this to explain yeah. that both of us have different outcomes and different backgrounds from our lives in Cuba. Like, even though it was tough for me, after I met her, I was like, girl, I had a good. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone who's got it worse than you, right? Wow, I had a good too. You got into university together. Were you in, you were in different years? Um, not into college. Not into college. I'm older. She's a yeah. couple of years older. And I knew her from there, from the university. But just because I was working, one of the orchestras that I worked at uh, rehearsed there at the university. So I would see her uh, there practicing because she was also always practicing and also the reason why I could notice her is because she's one of the few female percussionists that's a whole other conversation they they don't allow women that much to be percussionists in Cuba so everybody knew who she was because she's kind of you know she was kind of like she was the the, the female percussionist the female percussionist I mean, there were more but just a few no, let's say they were more but none of them are known now well, what drew you to percussion? I mean, it's something that women weren't uh, involved in or allowed in for the most part. What drew you to it? Um, well, because I liked it. And I don't take a no for an answer. And I don't like people or society telling me that I can't do something because just because I'm a girl. And I just liked it. I'm, I just couldn't find out, like, why... If I really like this and, and I can practice hard and everything, why... I'm not allowed to do this. And I don't know. They just got crazy about it. It's just weird. It, the way it works and the way uh, the society works. Were you ever concerned about, about pursuing percussion, knowing that there may be extra hurdles? I don't know. I don't know. If I go back, I don't I know. If you I thought mean, about it. I don't know. I, it just came to my lap, you know. And my mom took me to a show, uh, a folkloric uh, ensemble they usually have dancers and music and everything like dancing to uh, the Afro-Cuban religion, uh, the Orishas, which is the deities from the Afro-Cuban religion. So they have uh, these drums called bata drums, and they were playing them that night when my mom took me there, and I just, I just wanted to play them. <laughs> I saw them, I heard them, and I saw the dancers dancing, and I'm like, I want to play those instruments. And that was the first, actually the first hurdle with that, um, because someone told me that women are not allowed to play those instruments specifically for the religion. And there was another no. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? So no, you know, religious explanations why women cannot play or do certain things in the religion. Uh, so I started watching the guys doing it and learning on my own until someone who didn't care about the rules or anything, he saw me there uh, watching the guys doing it. And he's like, why do you come so often here? Like, you know that you're not allowed to play this, right? And I'm like, yay, I know, but I still want to learn. He's like, let's see, show me what you can do. So I played the whole thing with him and he's like, not bad. See me tomorrow at my house, uh, you know, at noon, and we're going to start some lessons. And we just, I just started, just like that. And I don't know, it's, it, it was, it's magical. It was magical. And then you quit piano behind your yeah, mom's back to, yeah, and switch at the music school, switch yeah. from piano to percussion without her mom's 
knowledge. Yeah. She forged her mother's signature. Yeah. And then the mother find out at the end of the school year when she had to play a concert in percussion. Yeah. And was oh, like, she what? expected to see you play piano and instead she saw you playing I drums. Know, but she made me finish piano. And <laughs> but I could keep the percussion part, which is great. And I don't know, I guess she rewarded my independence somehow and now she's proud of that <laughs> despite of being not so happy about that at the time i was so grounded and <laughs> and now now she's happy now we all knew that that was the right decision and i i don't i don't know how i came up with this uh decision i just did it and it turned out to be the right one how did you wind up playing together I mean, I know you got to know each other, knew you each other existed. How did the first time come together where you, where you said, hey, let's let's play or let's form this band? That was actually here in Canada. Uh, we met through the band that we were working at. So she came to Canada playing with another band uh, that we prefer not to mention. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then I, I was already in Canada. And I heard about this band that oh, was playing with Cuban women, da, 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 and I and I asked the band leader if she well, I just offered my my services. my services in case that she needed me, and she actually needed me one day, and I had a green card so I could travel easier. She she works with Cubans, which is a it's a good thing in terms of musicianship, but in terms of paperwork to travel, it's a hard thing to do. Because Cubans, as you maybe know, uh, they're not free. Our Travel, passports yeah. doesn't work. We need visas to go anywhere in this world. And, and it's very complicated and expensive for band leaders. So to have a Cuban that has uh, an easier way to travel like me, I had a green card and I could go to the States anytime. Um, she just took me on the spot. And then we just met here at first rehearsal in Toronto. And right after we met... Uh, because she was the one that I was already, uh, she, she decided she was going to live in Toronto and I was here. I said like, oh, because the other girls were going back to Cuba. Uh, I said, oh my God, we can just be friends. And I didn't have any friends here at the time because I just moved back here. And, um, and we just started texting each other ever since every single day. And now we're married. Oh, I didn't realize you yeah. were together. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't realize you were a couple. No, no the first one. You're clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it was a musical marriage. I didn't know it was anything else. That's that's actually even more impressive that you played together. I know. Yeah. We together. We'll together without killing each other. That's a, that's a miracle. Where do you guys look for inspiration for your music? Where's all the ideas coming from for the lyrics, for the music? Where do you draw from? It life comes itself. from, yeah, life itself is... Like every song, it's so different. The one thing that distinguishes us, um, it is the fact that you cannot put us in a box. We don't play. You know, when you're listening sometimes to an artist, you know this CD sounds very, every song kind of like sounds like the other. In our cases, the opposite. Like we literally, the, the last CD is called Espiral because uh, espiral means a spiral. spiral. It's because we're going literally on spiral through different genres of Cuban music. We go back to our Afro-Cuban roots, but we don't only stay there. 
we also try to rescue other genres of the Cuban music. And uh, also because we live here now in, in Toronto, and we are influenced by so many other musicians and music, we mix our music with Brazilian music. Max worked with Turkish people for a long time uh, yeah. when she got here, and then she wrote this song called Boundaries. And in this CD coming out, Boundaries is kind of like a, a mix of that Turkish music with Cuban music. And uh, it, it is a melting pot. So we get inspiration from absolutely everything. We also, I personally get, because I'm the one that writes the lyrics, <laughs> Max is good at the arrangements and stuff. And what are we going to do with the songs? One, once yeah. I had an idea of something, we just put that together. Uh, but with lyrics, I usually draw from, from things that happen to me, uh, like uh, divorce, for example, and the, the hardship of, for example, my, my aunt that had to immigrate and leave her daughter behind, but also Missing Cuba, that's our first EP. Uh, it's called Laberinto, and it's a song that I wrote in my first winter in Canada. A lonely time, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like to watch movies that have snow during summertime. This is how trauma <laughs> Okay? If I watch a movie now and then all of a sudden it starts snowing, I'm turning that off. I can't believe you stayed here. It happens almost every year we get snow. I know. But, well, it is, as I say to my friends, to my Canadian friends, is the sea of cold or the sea of communism. So I... Yeah, the cold is fine. <laughs> if I survive the Castro, I can survive the snow. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's um pretty much it. We we get we hear a chant, an African chant, and we make this uh crazy arrangement of it. And it, it is inspiration from everything. And literally the way we compose is so easy. It, um I'm saying not just writing. I mean, the, the way we work together is so easy and, and natural. How does that work? Do you come with lyrics and an idea already formed or is, does the music inspire the lyrics? How do you bring them together? Totally different every time and totally natural. Like I've been thinking of a melody and, and I just put together, oh, listen to this. And Max literally forced me to write something about it and put some lyrics in it because I, I need to be pushed. So the reason why I'm writing music now is because of her completely. I, I was not capable of thinking that I could do that. And, and she literally convinced me that I could write music. What was stopping you? Just doubt? Yeah. Doubt, self-doubt. Complete self-doubt. <laughs> so Mags helped you overcome that. How did you do that, Mags? What, what did you... What did you say? I don't know because I she showed me her stuff and it was amazing. And I'm and and then I see this person who's doubting every single step she has to make and I she has to take and I'm like, what's going on? Like this is great. She's like, really? Oh, so to be specific, you were you were writing. Yeah. But you weren't showing anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she showed me her stuff. I showed her mine. You know, we shaped together both of our stuff and it worked out pretty well. And then eventually she felt better. <laughs> and I still don't, yeah. you know, I still, when I write something, I still don't show it to you right away. Yeah, and then right. you're like, show me. I'm like, no, no, yeah. Some people need me. to be pushed. <laughs> These sound like the good times. Do you ever run into situations where you think you're going to kill each other? 
Not really. Not re not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have. It, it is so interesting because, as I as I mentioned, everything comes out so naturally. Like we don't set. We we didn't set rules of saying, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and then da, 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 da. it's naturally because we were uh, trained so professionally at a very very young age. I think that also helped us to understand that when we're working, we're working, mm -hmm. and, and that's it's, important. It it has nothing to do with oh my love, my dear. No no no. She literally treats me like another musician, and when she has to say that was horrible she would say it and uh, I won't take it personally and I won't take that into our relationship it is just as okay whatever or if she has a very crazy idea because she's the one that has the crazy ideas and I'm like and eh, no we're not doing that <laughs> so one of you is the crazy one one of you is the more practical generally yes, yes but that is the greatest thing that it complements we switch that depending on what we're talking about musically speaking Max will do more crazy stuff and I'll be like, uh, no, we're not doing that. Or like, really, why do we need to do this crazy thing? But in life, I'm the one that wants, you know, the adventure and I will do things like, yeah, let's do that. And she's like, no, why? So it's like completely uh, switching all the time, all the time. That's very similar. My brother and I for years have worked together. We've made uh, films and videos and, uh, and series and stuff. And, and generally speaking, he's the crazy one. He's got the weird ideas, the strange ones, and I'm a little bit more practical and I kind of tell him, okay, well, I think we can do it this way or I think we can do it that way. And that kind of let him be the director and me be the producer. But every once in a while we flip it where I come up with mm -hmm. something. He goes, that is just the dumbest, weirdest, strangest, <laughs> poorest idea. And I'm like, do you hear yourself talking? I'm being the weirdo and you're being the practical one for the first time. So yeah, it's kind of nice when it switches up every once in a while, it keeps everyone on their toes. Exactly. So together in life, in love, and in music. What are you guys hoping to achieve? Wow. Um, uh, it's so much. I don't know. We look back to see how far we've come, you know, and, and for it, when it we come great. From. Yeah, for where we come from, we made it here. We, uh, I mean, it's been a lot so far, but uh, still we are on the road we are we feel that we just started this project and there's so much we we can do and we want to do with it um we want to fight you know for our right to be heard and our version of cuba our um music there's so much to do still right yeah i mean a putting it in a practical way we want more people to have access to our music yeah. Let's start with that. Um, it is difficult nowadays to share your music because there's so much out there, but also so much that it doesn't have the highest quality, but because they have the money, exactly. they can resources. push it, yeah. the resources, they can push it harder, you know, stuff like that, that's still not fair, but you know, everybody has their, uh, everything is unfair in this world. What do you do to combat that? How do you get your stuff heard? What have you guys been doing to, to get your music out there? Pretty much spending your whole day on your phone now. I'm <laughs> uh, um, asking my friends literally because this um, um, new single comes out tomorrow. Yeah, I've been 
right asking literally to all of my friends that have more than 10,000 people on their Instagram to share on the stories so they can share them with their friends because that's the way it works now, right? Like everything is online and everything is uh, like a community online. And I think a way, the way we also do, like we do a lot of collaboration. Yeah. So it's paying off because if we're doing collaborations with other, other artists, uh, then they can do this for us. So it's kind of like the way we're trying to do it. Personally, what we would like to achieve, it's something that is very, very difficult, which is having a family and also being able to keep working and doing your thing without having to slow down so much or without losing ground. Yeah. Because I understand that at some point, of course, when you just have a baby, you have to slow down for a little bit. But then it's so unfair for women how much ground they lose. Yes, because they disappear for a little bit. And then all of that work that you put into the years before that, it's kind of like gone. It, it disappears. So we personally would love to create that or be part of that narrative where it breaks. You know, we yes, we want to have a family. Yes, we had our family, but we're still here, you know, with just a few pounds heavier. <laughs> well, we've all gotten a few pounds heavier in the last few months, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, but that's the other thing that they punish us for getting those pounds more. And it, like, it is so hard. And then you have to go back into like, oh, you need to look, you know, back to your shape and killing yourself. I saw this documentary about Beyonce when Beyonce finished with the tweens. It was so hard. And it, this is Beyonce, okay? She has the team. She has the means. She has everything in order to do it. And mentally, it was brutal for her. Because everybody, of course, for her, is even worse because everybody's expecting her to look a certain way. What do you think it's going to take to change these types of attitudes and, and combat this problem? Well, I, I don't know if we will be able to change it, but we definitely we can try. We <laughs> can try. And the one thing we're going to do is just like keep in people's faces. <laughs> even while we're trying to grow as a, as a, in a personal life. How are you expecting to balance these two directions in life? You want to have a family, you want your, your music to continue, and you don't want to take a break. Is there a way you're going to try and manage both? One thing that uh, the Canadian government can help us with is allowing our mothers to come here so uh -huh. they can get their visas and our mothers can help us. Yep. I see. So both your mothers are still in Cuba right now. Let's, Everybody's yes. still in Cuba. We, it's just the yeah. two of us. So we don't have family back up. So. The Canadian government can help with that. Once they have their visas, we're good. My mother here, Cuban moms, Cuban grandmas <laughs> helping I us. Know. We're fine. We're set. The second thing is our kids are going to be part of our lives too. Like, I think it's okay to take your, your kids on tour and they actually experience the world in a different way and, and enjoy, at least for a little bit. We're not talking about taking like not sending the kids to school at all, but uh, at the beginning, you know, like, and, and teaching them how to connect instruments and, and, and help us and exactly. set up and do things like that, that will help them and will help us. <laughs> Is it the Canadian government that's standing in the way from the visas for your, for your mothers? Yeah. Um, yes. The worst Canadian embassy in the world, uh, it's in Cuba. That the hardest they to deny get, to get so many visas and they don't give the money back. And yet travel restrictions have never been in place. Canadians can go to Cuba and back all the time. Exactly. Canadians can go to Cuba anytime they want. 
they get they got even mad when the Americans were allowed to go to Cuba because Canadians think that uh, Cuba is their island uh, free of Americans. And um, even though they take advantage of many things in Cuba, because this is something that we also need to talk about, the tourism in, in Cuba that actually pretty much owes a lot to Canada because Canadians go to Cuba all the time. It's just a three and a half hour flight. It's a very cheap place. It's not the greatest tourism either all the time because um, you get a lot of people super drunk in the all-inclusive hotels and using very cheap sex trades with uh, very young girls or boys. So it is a very heavy thing and no one talks about it. No one talks about it. The same way that Canada talks about racism in the U.S. and doesn't talk about racism here. And a lot of people say, oh, my God, you Cubans, you take advantage of foreigners. I'm like, "Uh, you're the one going down there. I yeah, know, because I Cubans, there, there are stories of Cubans uh, taking advantage of, of, of the foreigners by, oh, they just want their money, da, 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 they're prostitutes and this and that. Okay, you went down there. Cubans are not allowed to come anywhere. So you were there and you knew what you were dealing with, but also you're the one looking for paying for sex. So guess what? That's what you're going to get. This is fascinating. I actually never had any idea about well, most of what you're talking about, but certainly not the fact that it's difficult for Cubans to get travel visas to come up to Canada is really shocking. For us to get visas uh, to go anywhere and to get paperwork, Magdalis, she she's a refugee here and she applied for her citizenship a year and a half ago and she still doesn't have still it. Still waiting. So she's not allowed, she hasn't seen her mother in seven years. Really? I was going to ask if you guys had had the opportunity to go back. No, I have. But no, Mag. Not me. Why? Because if you went, you wouldn't be able to get back out? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that's why <laughs> we need the, the mother to get a visa to come here. I know, but it is really hard. Even, like, we were still going to try. We're still going to try to make it happen. But it's not less uh, right that is so hard uh, for Cubans because they need to show some kind of bank statement that they don't have. Like, no... Normal Cuban would have that bank statement of $5,000 that they request uh, at the embassy, plus the government um, a permission to leave and the passport issue. And it's, it's a many, many, many things that stand in our way. But, you know, like we're fighters. We're, we're going to fight it until the end. Do you guys address any of this with your music? Yes. Yes. And in our concerts, we say this. Um, all the time. All the time. Because we want to, that's the thing with our music too. We want to take away this idyllic idea of Cuba that people have. And that sometimes. the Cuban music is not only Buena Vista Social Club exactly. kind of music. It's like there are other things. There are Afro-Cubans. There are uh, people that also do hip hop and, and, and stuff, you know? Like uh, Cuba, it's way richer than that. And also the reason why we haven't gotten way more political it's because uh, as you might know cuba is a dictatorship and our families are still there so if we talk a lot they could also get in trouble even if we're out here well fortunately nobody listens to this podcast so uh you're not in any danger (laughs) of anyone hearing it (laughs) but you never know loving what you love about cuba loving what you love about canada and also dealing with what you hate about both Mm -hmm. how do you manage that you have to leave you have to pick your battles as well. Yeah. And uh, and you just have to 
fight and, and just say things. Actually, the last couple of days, you have taken us in um in an inst funny in moment. <laughs> very inter interesting moment of our yeah. lives. For the last couple of days, we've been fighting on Facebook with people about the situation in Cuba right now. And it, it, it takes a toll because it's we, Cubans are so divided. So, 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 so divided. So divided. By this whole system that it's been in place for 62 years, 63 years. Yeah. So this is why um, we're so feisty now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Canada's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I like to think that it's at least a place where people can open their mouths without fear of immediate retribution. Oh, exactly. yes, exactly. Uh, we don't take it for granted. Well, and that's one of the things that, that is part of the problem. I think a lot of people do take it for granted. I think they think that that's the way the rest of the world is or should be or that it should be simple. And it's not for a lot of people. And it's not in a lot of places that way. And we should be pleased about it, but we should also keep fighting for it and helping others fight for it. Exactly. Exactly. What, what does a typical day look like for you? Uh, that's a good question. We, <laughs> every day is different. That's a good thing. That's one of the things that keeps me uh, going because I like to just do different things. Um, but the one thing that is always the same is that we wake up and we drink coffee and then we don't eat for hours after that. That's true. I cook a lot. Mags a lot. eats a lot. <laughs> Honestly, nowadays it's so difficult to, to sit down and be only um, relaxed to write music and stuff. I think we write more music during wintertime than now. It, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, summertime's the time to play, right? Yeah, but even now that we're not playing because we're doing this um, promo with the CD and stuff, it is hard to sit down and, and, and write music. But for, for example, the last couple of days, we had some stuff out saying that, yes, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and we haven't done it. We haven't done it. But it is difficult to pay bills and, and be creative. <laughs> who, who's, the, uh, who, who's the accountant and, and the lawyer and who, who does all of the, the grunt work that way? Oh, also, also that's, um, that's split. Um, Max is the accountant. I am not allowed to have any money or, or, or deal with any money <laughs> other than my own. I am the one dealing with most of the emails and stuff with manager and meetings and interviews and this and that, uh, and promotion and the social media. I'm the one yeah. dealing with the social media. Max hates her phone, <laughs> but the lawyers defending ourselves <laughs> i am the one just fighting most of the time fighting i'm the fighter. she's the fighter <laughs> big time and do you have a team that you're working with you said you've got uh, management you have a booker and all of that like yeah is it mostly you or is it do you have you farmed out a few well, of these things yeah we do most uh i mean no tracy, we have the manager and we the have the manager agent. does everything yeah yeah tracy's tracy jenkins she's not the manager. Let's face it. She's our freaking godmother <laughs> from heaven. From Send. heaven that just like <laughs> decided to work with us and take us as her children. <laughs> and uh, she does literally everything and helps us with absolutely everything. And uh, we're extremely grateful to her. Fortunately, we tell her all the time, so she knows it. But uh, we also count with the support of... Um, all of the councils, the art councils, like Toronto Arts Council, um, all of our CDs and, and music being sponsored by Factor, Toronto Arts Council, Ontario Arts Council, 
Canada Arts Council, whoever has money out there, we want it. <laughs> uh, we actually need it. We are first generation here, and we have no parents that can lend us the money to uh, make our dreams come true. So we have to work hard to, to get it. And thank God for this government that actually gives money for the arts, despite of some people in the government who want to take it away and have succeeded in the past. Uh, but that's one of the things that I want to vote for. So I have a voice with this because now we are actually suffering something that we have no way of fixing, like, because we have no, we have no right of fixing it for now. But once I get my right to vote, I, I get to say something finally. So yes, we are trying hard to get all those resources from the government, helping the arts and um, look forward and move forward. It sounds like you've had a pretty good experience. Um, accessing some of these funds thanks to tracy again oh is tracy the one who's helping you guys navigate that because that, that can be some some difficult waters to get through it is. yeah it is extremely difficult and especially, especially for the artists and reporting and everything that's, that's very hard and especially when english is not your first language so english is a second language and you have to give all your ideas out there and you don't know how to express yourself pretty much in grammar <laughs> And uh, it's kind of hard, you know, it's kind of hard. Like now, uh, I mean, the peer assessments are basically musicians also, but not everybody understands your music or where you want to go with your music. So luckily, we've been actually really lucky with um, with that, and we have gotten the grants we need so far to do our projects. It's been a long time since I've put in for any of these types of things, be it on the film side or the music side back in, in the day. Is it Are these blind submissions, effectively? Yes. Yeah, they're made yeah. accessible for newcomers. Actually, there is a. I, I always try to. We call it give the light to the people <laughs> who are new to the country. You know, like give them the information because the problem is that there is no access to the information. These people don't know that they can actually apply. Anybody can apply to these grants, and they especially they, they don't even know that those grants exist. They're pretty much grants for everything. And as a newcomer, you have a, you're allowed to have a grant as a newcomer. It's actually called that, uh, grants for newcomers, you know? And in different um, uh, arts, uh, dancing, uh, visual arts, and music, so and drama, actually, also, theater. And people sometimes just don't know. Like, I didn't know when I first got here, and I hit a few walls because of that. But then once you have that information that it just fell into our lap again, like by chance, the knowledge about the grant applications and we try and do, do it ourselves. Remember like the first time uh -huh. um, we weren't successful that first time because we didn't know uh, which grant to apply to. <laughs> so we applied to with a, I mean, for me it was a good application. Like, I mean, we, we took our time to do it and, mm. but it was the wrong category. So we were pulled out of the competition. Then we got that same grant. I mean, that same grant application, we put it into the right category and we got it. I can't imagine that's the only time that happens. That's probably happening to a lot of people. A lot of people. And then sometimes things are written like very, in a very orthodox way, let's say it's very fancy. Then you don't know these terms or the words and everything. So for us, having Tracy to help us decipher some of the things and loopholes that you can find on these things, that has helped a lot. 
You've had a lot of success so far, both individually and together. I mean, you're just about to put out, is this a second record or a third record? The second record. Second full full record, but we also have an EP. Got an EP and then the first record and then this. And regardless of COVID, you're starting to play shows now that we're in phase 35. I can't tell which phase we're in at this point. What keeps you guys going with all of these things standing in your way? Well, we're hustlers. <laughs> Basically, paying the bills also helps. And as immigrants, yeah, having having forty six hundred dollars um, bills every month yeah. helps. <laughs> you have to keep going. You have to keep. Um, and also, we came here as immigrants. That that little chip in your head, they're saying that you came here for something, uh, and you're gonna get it. If that's, you work hard, yes. If you work hard, yeah. That that's the will. Like we we wake up every day and and. We say it in Spanish, a lo que vinimos. That means to what we came from. Yeah. Yeah, we, we came for we're something. Here, we're here for something and we're going to get it. That's what we came here for. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's trying to get into music? Specifically, I guess, somebody who's coming from somewhere else and has dreams of making it in music here. If you like what you're doing and you love what you're doing and you have had certain success already doing it, just keep doing it. Because giving up, it's something that people regret later on. And if, if you believe in something, you believe that. And some people also believe in you. It's very important to have support. We cannot do anything alone in this world. Nothing. So if you have support, friends, family, whatever, that, that keeps telling you that that's what you should be doing, just do it. Have you found a lot of your own people, people that yeah. support you and that you support since you've been here? You both came with no one? Exactly. And we and have a bunch of friends on the road that believe in you, you know, yeah. and, and you take the word too, mm -hmm. but also in your gut, you, you want to make it happen. You want to make this happen. You don't want to fail uh, because even our families from Cuba, even they are powerless right now to help us with anything. They are counting on us, you know, also they are, uh, looking up to us and pushing us from there <laughs> to do things, you know, same as, as if we were studying still in school, right? Exactly. How have you dealt with the pressure of your families all investing so much in you and expecting so much of you and depending on you so much? It's the norm. It yeah. becomes the norm. Yeah. Uh, you get used to it, you know, like, uh, it's expected of you. Like, even though you sometimes say, uh, I never asked for this, you know, I never asked to come to this world and help you guys or do this. I wasn't meant to do this, but then you see their struggle and their sacrifices and how hard they've worked their whole lives. And then you just don't want to fall behind from that. You, instead of staying like a brat and complaining, over and over, just try to do something with that life that was given from you. So many people die every day wanting to live, and then you are in this borrowed time, and you just want to complain. <laughs> it's uh, just, I don't know. I, I think it's a nice tribute to our families for all the sacrifices they've made for years. For years, and without basically asking for nothing in return you know there was a lot of love yeah, just not just have good grades just so have i don't kick your grades you know like <laughs> i know not but not like growing up we had no idea how hard 
or how much it took to put a, a plate of food on our table mm -hmm. because we were little. We had no idea. And then we grew up and we were see the struggle. We see the struggle and we're like, oh my God, this was so hard. And you still put up a smile. How did you do it? That's the same question I asked my mom. And then she's like, I don't know. You know, you just do it. <laughs> and that's it. You know, now we are in a better place and better position to help them. And it's easier to sacrifice here, honestly. Yeah. Uh, like because you don't you don't lack the basics you don't lack food you don't lack transportation like you know uh even though we're alone and it'll be way easier if our families could be here with us that's why we're working hard also to achieve to have the solvent to have the money to bring them and to be easier to make it easier you know like never look back just to help those people that helped you in the past where can people find out more about you? Our website is Ocan Musica, music in Spanish, so you put an A at the end, ocanmusica.com. And there you can find all of our social media. Follow us, please, because that part is free and people can just, <laughs> just hit a button. But if they want to buy our music, go to Bandcamp and look for Ocan. Luckily, you'll find us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Subscribe to Making a Living Show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow along at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, please share the show with someone you know. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.